Hey everybody, Andrea here. Welcome back to The Bind. I'm really excited to get into today's session. A few sessions ago, I had mentioned that in one particular tribe that I participate in, I always tend to be the rebel within that group. I do not try to be, uh, but this always tends to be the thing that happens within this particular um, dyad. Well, today we're going to talk about that rebellious part and how we come to experience that part within ourselves. In my time as a therapist, one thing that I have come to realize is many of my clients hate when it comes their time to be the rebel. You may be asking, what does it mean to be the rebel? To be the rebel within a group means that you are potentially doing or about to do something that does not align with the standard norms of that group. During the past podcast, I talked about the movie Pleasantville and the way that movie was essentially an unfolding of broken norms and expectations within a community or a tribe as we speak here. Throughout the film, we see this beautifully crafted demonstration of what it looks like for the tribe to begin to unravel. Every individual either transforms due to some cosmic shift or fights tooth and nail not to cross the boundary from what they believe to be safe into that territory which has never been explored. To change is to journey into the unknown, to shift the un the predictable, to shift the predictable into an unsettling transition. As humans, we are far more likely to maintain status quo even if that means misery than to journey into the unknown optimistically. That's not to say we wouldn't go into the unknown, but to do it optimistically, that's just not the way humans tend to operate. So what we end up with is somebody who is reluctantly going into a new journey without a sense of comfort. What might a situation be that provokes the rebel within to emerge? Well, it could be a number of things that leads one to disalign with the relationship she is participating in. It could be as simple as moving to another state away from close family and friends, or it could be more complex, such as choosing to leave a valuable relationship. I think many of us wish life-altering choices could be simple. I can't speak for everyone, but I feel safe saying that many people dread making important decisions due to the fear of being rejected or, so to speak, disciplined by other members of whatever tribe they may potentially have some skin in the game with. What's even more difficult is that sometimes the choices we feel are best for us cause us to have a shift, cause us to have to shift ourselves in a way that stretches our own sense of comfort and boundaries. So let's break this down into an example. One common situation I encounter often in the therapy room is individuals who are trying to discern whether or not to stay in their marriage Marriages are one of the most difficult struggles to navigate with an individual because a marriage is so incredibly intertwined into one's life. It is quite heavy. It is quite a heavy burden to sit and unpack with someone whether or not their marriage is salvageable. I think it's natural to desire to want to lean into the belief that every single marriage can be saved. In fact, I do believe when I started my journey as a therapist so many years ago that I held this optimistic hope that they could all be saved. But I would be lying to you right now if I didn't admit that I no longer believe that to be true. What I will say, though, is that I have not met 
anyone in my own therapy office who hasn't come to me with the hope that there could be something to salvage the brokenness in their intimate relationship. Now, that's not to say people don't come into a therapy session already having made the decision to leave their marriage, but even if they come to me to start the healing process of um, uh, what we call the detachment of the bond, uh, that doesn't mean that they didn't fight very hard to try to keep that marriage intact prior to that. So divorce is not something that I know anyone to take lightly, no matter what we tend to believe inside of ourselves. While some marriages indeed can be saved and the couple can grow more deeply and safely together, this particular session is designed to cover when that is not the case and how that leads to the inevitable process of becoming the rebel. Generally, by the time someone gets to my office, their wheels have already been turning as to what could possibly be done to help shift the relationship I have with my partner. And after so many attempts to shift the negative relationship patterns into something more connected and loving, my client has grown weary and tired. This is one of my least favorite cases to hold because in this scenario, I'm sitting with someone who is begging me in their own way to tell them that I have an answer for them that will solve the problem. And in reality, what we have actually been processing is my client's need for the strength to be okay with leaving. This is a very complex situation that we're talking about here. And let me tell you that everybody who stays in their marriage does not stay in their marriage because it's been healed and it's amazingly different than it was when it was having problems. People stay in marriages for all sorts of reasons. I think that that's a different session though, so we're not going to get caught up in that. But I, I just wanted to give that to you all to sit and process with that this is complex, it's individualized, and there's no way we can possibly begin to um, you know, break it down as though there's a simplex singular answer for every person in this world. That's just not the case. So when somebody's sitting with me, knowing that they have to navigate this really hard choice, they already know that this is difficult. They know this choice is the last resort, that this choice could very well destroy them, but perhaps not as badly as choosing to stay in a place where the love is desolate and the safety is void, be it emotional safety, sexual safety, physical safety, financial safety, you name it. Uh, for many, to leave a marriage is not a walk in the park, but it's an invitation onto a battlefield where your once assumed comrades have potentially turned, in, uh, turned into your enemies and their guns are suddenly pointed toward you rather than outward for you. So let's talk about some how some of these supportive people may suddenly become our enemies. Imagine being part of some sort of community group. It could be a tight-knit community of any sort, such as, uh, I don't know, a sports league that you're part of, or it could be more complex, such as a church group, even the place where you work, uh, not to mention your own family itself. In any case, this individual has an identity that's been established, and they've been part of that identity for many years, and uh, part of that identity is that part of wife or partner. For years, they've shared parts of the marriage that reflect goodness and beauty or an intimate connection of some sort. And now, to go back into that group and exclaim in so many words, well, it was all a sham. 
what you thought you saw about me is not actually there, and I am here to tell you that part of me will no longer be. And if you're her, what is the greatest fear that you'll hear in response? It's probably your fear is going to be that you hear somebody say, oh no, that's awful. What did you do? And no, I don't think people say that exact thing, but we hear it in different ways based on how we share the information. So for instance, somebody might start divulging to others. They're probably to the point where things are no longer uh, able to be kept quiet within that that dyad, the, the husband-wife relationship, and they might start divulging to their group, oh, well, these are the negative things that I notice happening in my marriage. And people will say, oh, well, maybe you should try this. Or have you thought about what you could be doing to make the marriage better? And what the people, I think that these people have good intentions. I don't want to put down people and assume that they're ill-willed. I do not think that's the case. I just think that so many people fight for believing that um, a marriage could be saved, but in reality, they don't actually have all of the intimate details, uh, nor more, more than likely, nor should they, uh, because as we expand our circles, we have our very, very close circles where our closest friends uh, and our most trustworthy ones are probably cued into what's going on in that family dynamic. But Every now and again, we start to be a little more vulnerable with our larger circle, and those people aren't necessarily in the know. They don't have all the details, and so very well-intentioned advice uh, goes in the opposite direction, and it becomes more harmful than helpful. Uh, so it's really up to the individual who's going through the journey to not hold any sort of grudge, but instead to work through that and think through, well, how can I not hold this as a dagger against me and that's going to be that's going to be some of that work we do to start to unpack that rebel part that starts to develop so it's such a kick in the gut when we hear these different renditions of oh what did you do wrong because that individual has already been thinking that like that that's already been part of the equation this is why she's been doing so much work to try to keep herself within the relationship. She doesn't want to rebel. She doesn't want to leave. She's going to start by introspecting and saying, what is wrong with me? Uh, you could say, well, what if the person really is the one causing all the issues? Well, here's what I'm going to say to you. Yes, that scenario occurs, uh, but we're not talking about that in this case. That's, that's a different session for a different individual who has other places to process. We're talking about the one who has put forth all of the work and is noticing that they're not getting the reciprocation for the turnaround to help heal the relationship. Hence comes the rebel, because the rebel's going to have to start going on a journey that requires her to go into a place where she never wanted to go. She didn't want her identity to become such. So she knows she's turned every stone that was out there to turn, only to come to terms with the reality that she does not know what she did. In fact, she tried so hard to believe it was indeed something that she had, that she continued to spiral through the loop of confusion that left her not only feeling disheartened that she could not maintain a connection to her partner, but also beginning to wonder if anyone could love her 
or how she could be so foolish to pick someone so falsely aligned with her own sense of self. So here she is, knowing her truth, knowing the degree to which she fought, the degree to which she offered potential resolves to the issues at hand, all to no avail. So while she had done her best to maintain the veil to show the world that uh, she believed they needed to see, the parts of her that they needed to see of her, she'll lift it and reveal the truth that she can no longer stay in a place that she once basked in. In this scenario, believe me when I tell you, there are so many dynamics to this situation for us to process. And believe me when I tell you that we will get to some of them, uh, but today is about the journey to becoming the rebel. And we must give her her due time and stay right here in this singular spot to explore what it means to become the rebel when we didn't intend to take on that identity. Here's the thing about the rebel. She absolutely knows that within the very nature of her identity is the propensity to experience rejection. It's those individual pricks of the needle that when felt once could potentially be tolerated, but to feel it repetitively is to encounter an ever-present sting that is consistent and its end is undetermined. What do I mean here? We fear becoming the rebel when we have to make those difficult life choices for ourselves that seem to impact us on a tribal level because we know that we are going to have to face those individuals that are part of that community. We're going to have to answer to them. And oftentimes, even if people don't intend for their responses to be rigid or um, just a tinge of cruelty come from them, Sometimes that that is what we experience. And our greatest fear is that our community then rejects us and tells us that we're not welcome here anymore because we are a bad example. Nobody wants to be that. And to be the rebel, we're having to come to grips with a part of our identity that we know doesn't align. We all, right, like to be the rebel is kind of like one of those nose goes things. Oh, I don't want to be it. Uh, And I think that this is, uh, to some degree, how bully culture starts. I don't want it to be me, so let's make it you. And everybody kind of, like, when the rebel steps out, we figure out who it is. Like, whew, okay, wiping up the forehead. We're safe. This one's going to take on the role of the rebel. Cool. Uh, And so you have this individual who's having to go on one heck of a journey to try to unravel these pieces. Uh, How does this come to be? Well, throughout our life, we're brought up in moral codes. Certain things that were taught within our younger systems helped establish a sense of what is good and acceptable and what's not. We don't dare traverse outside of those bounds because to do so would undoubtedly lead to corruption and potential rejection. In a world where we long to be connected and loved, we often fear we are one wrong move away from losing all that was comfortable and safe. This is indeed what the rebel does when we become her. So think of the rebel as a part of ourself. Uh, We'll get to this a little bit more deeper into the conversation, but I don't know anybody to ever be fully rebel. I think even within somebody who may seem um, 
highly rebellious, uh, and that term's loaded, so, you know, you got to keep yourself on lockdown here. Uh, don't jump to conclusions, because nothing is what it seems. Life is one grandiose illusion. Uh, but the rebellious part is merely a part of who we are. It's not It's not all of who we are, and it's a journey. Like, if we find ourselves in that situation, it's a journey that we have to trek through and figure out how to align with that identity in a way that we can embrace her and give her love and give her meaning rather than shut her down and shame her. So every now and again, I will say to my closest people, I wish I could go back to being my naive self. I wish I could go back to being my naive self who did not know the world in the way in which I do today. I think the very beginning stages of the rebel's emergence feels the same way. I think she wishes that all of those eloquently written books on how to solve life's complex problems worked for her in the same way that they surely must have worked for many others. But they didn't, and now she finds herself having to face the perils of failure and wonder if she'll ever make it back on her feet again. And if the world she once felt so comfortable within could ever see her the way they once did, void of the scarlet letter that she must now bear. So here's the million dollar question. Is the rebel bad? Throughout this example about this young woman's transformation from her naively safe, vulnerability lacking self to the tattered and bruised woman who bared her scars to the world because she could no longer hide them, I've kept her just far away enough from you to keep you safe. But now I'm asking you to explore yourself. It could very well be that you are in the midst of your own situation in which you are trying desperately to conceal this rebel self from the rest of your world. But in doing so, you are slowly dying inside in order to try and maintain the facade that you are okay. When indeed, you're not okay. When indeed, you realize that you're about to have to make a choice for your life. A choice to experience what it means to walk as the rebel or a choice to keep that part concealed in hopes that even though one aspect of your life, which is probably far more deeply rooted uh, in in the um, throes of your intimacy than the other part of the tribe, but you may be willing to keep that hidden in order to maintain the sanctity of your identity within the tribe, to not have to face what it means to be the rebel. I know that we're pretty short on time and I really want to unpack this part of what it means to be the rebel. I'm hoping that you're able to resonate with her and even if you can't identify with her, maybe you can understand how She doesn't necessarily make sense to you, but you want to know more about her because you're willing to challenge your own self to find space for the rebel and start learning to ask people different kinds of questions to help them in their process rather than to guilt them and shame them out of the experience that they very well may have been destined to have at this point in their life. Once you get to this crossroads of things are not okay, Even if you conceal it from your greater tribe and you sacrifice the work of the individual self, 
she still exists. She still exists and she is still going to suffer whether she does that in a way that vulnerably gives you permission to do that within your tribe and grow from that or whether you have to experience her pent up and concealed so that way you can keep the world in a tolerance of who you are. Do you have what it takes today to go on the journey of identifying what it looks like to give the rebel permission to go where she needs to go to become, to heal, to find what it is that she's looking for? Remember just a few short seconds ago, I asked this hard question, is the rebel bad? And uh, by this time, you all probably know that I love to use movies as reference. I think that movies make excellent, uh, they make excellent metaphors that we can often relate back to our own situations. And in this particular case, this is going to be the weirdest example, I promise you, but it has meaning. Think of the story Moana, if you've ever watched the, the Disney cartoon for that. This was an individual who, it was set up in the backdrop of the movie that she had a very distinct boundary and some part of her could not stop leaning toward that calling. Now, this one, that's a little bit different, right? This whole time we've been talking about the example of walking through divorce and we're gonna, I'm gonna have another couple of sessions about this because I have some great examples that can help you start to unpack what this part of self looks like. But I know Moana is quite a contrast between trying to make a choice of leaving a marriage versus trying to rebel and go out and find your own sense of identity outside of the way family has always been done. I get that. But what the movie is trying to get to is if we keep our if we keep ourselves bound up, there is a good chance that we have missed a larger opportunity to find our own freedom. And that's what I want for you to get your wheels turning on. If you're even curious about this rubble part, if you're even willing to consider that maybe she is not as bad and she isn't as worthy as um, being ostracized as we once thought maybe she did, then stick with me and let's start learning how to unpack her. I'm very excited for our next session where we will start to unpack even more parts of the rebel and go deeper into her identity and how she may align with parts of who you are. I'm sure she does. You know what? Even if you are the token coined quote unquote good girl, I can almost guarantee there is a part of you that if the world knew it existed in your mind, you believe it would be that one thing that would cast you out. And I'm here to tell you, if we can make space for her, she may not actually be as bad as we once thought she was. Thank you for listening today, and I hope you tune into the next session where we start to unpack this rebellious part even more. Have a great week, everybody. 